You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Um, again, you have to be logical. You know, if, if I know that in this hotel room they have food every day and I'm knocking on the door every day to eat and they tell and they open the door, let me see the, the party, let me see like them throwing salami all over the, I mean just like throwing food around where they're telling me there's no food in here. You know what I'm saying? Every day I'm standing outside trying to sing my way in. You know what I'm saying? We are hungry, please let us in. We are hungry, please let us in. After about a week, that song is going to change the we hungry, we need some food. After two, three weeks, it's like, you know, give me all the food and we're breaking out the door. And after a year, and you just like, you know what I'm saying? I'm picking the lock, coming through the door, blasting. You know what I'm saying? It's like you hungry. You reached your level. You don't want any more. We asked 10 years ago. We was asking with the Panthers. We was asking with them, you know, the civil rights movement. We was asking, you know, now, now, those people that were asking, they're all dead and in jail. So now, what do you think we're going to do? And we shouldn't be angry. Today's episode, friends and kids, and everyone who's listening, is about privilege. And um, I never thought, like, when I first started doing this podcast and I first, like, had the idea to reboot Foundation Radio as something, and even when we were on the network, not that I really like to talk about the network much, but, like, you know, back in pre-solo days, um, we decided pretty much initially that we weren't going to be political. And... It was a decision that we all kind of made sort of unconsciously. Like we didn't set out to not be political, but it just kind of ended up becoming that way. And I think it was for a couple different reasons. We wanted to try to be as broad of an appeal of a show as we could. And we didn't want to get bogged down in too much of the bullshit because there's there's enough of that going on everywhere, right? I mean, there's always something about Trump and Facebook and you know Fox News. I mean, there's always just something to be pissed off about. But I think at this point right now where I'm at, um, you know, I've been kind of like hem hawing about doing this episode because I know I, I kind of I, I couched it and, and broached the group with this about doing a show on some current events, and uh, you know there wasn't it, it was it was kind of uh, like fifty fifty for me about doing it, and I really wasn't sure at first if I was going to, and then I watched a video last night uh, from Dave Batista, who I'm sure you all know is Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's a professional wrestler. He's also a very outspoken progressive. I know him as the guy who um, is really angry if anyone shit talks his two moms. Yes, he know, also is a. I yes. know him as all three of those things. He is a a very staunch supporter of the LGBT movement, uh, and he said something that sort of like struck me. And he said, "I, I, he was the same way. He's like, I didn't want to use any of my platforms to be someone to." push an agenda or talk about different things, but I decided that it was more important to be on the right side of history. And then if you weren't saying something, then you, you basically, you were, you were being, you know, a, a party to this and that sort of, you know, I'm paraphrasing of course, but uh, that sort of kind of set the tone and tenor for me to do this episode. And, and, you know, we, I mean, it's very possible. Look, we're, we're probably going to alienate some, some listeners and probably going to alienate some of the base that, that we have that's, that's built ar- around the podcast. But quite frankly, I mean, if you're someone that agrees and someone that justifies a very visible murder on film, then quite frankly, I don't want you listening to this fucking show in the first place. Block us, unfollow us on Twitter. I'm drawing the line in the sand tonight. Cause I'm really pissed. I mean, we all have a right to be pissed, and 
I don't know. Maybe it's just my opinion with this. I don't see this as a political issue. It's a human issue. So, I mean, unfortunately, have- that's the way that the culture culture wars have infected our politics. A lot of human issues are becoming political. Right. And that's, um, the pro- that's the problem. I agree with you 100%. I don't think, I think this is a moral issue. Right. Uh, and I agree. the fact that it's not being viewed as one. I mean, I think, who is the tweet today that was along the lines of like, literally all we're saying is stop summarily executing black people. And some people are like, response to that is, but dot, dot, dot. Like what? How how is that conscionable? That your response is to not just yes, that. <laughs> and I think if you look, if you can watch that video, and you can sit there, and of course we're talking about George Floyd, uh, the the man, the African American unarmed man who was murdered in Minneapolis uh, by a police officer earlier in the week. Um, it's a very graphic video. I guess we should start Terrifying. by start by saying that. I mean, it's a really uh, I, disturbing I, I, video. I do also want to caution um, because we are all white. Um, Correct. Yes, we should. We're we giving values of that. Let's. Uh, we could talk about how the Jews became white in America. That's an entirely different history podcast. Sorry, Jeff. But um, <laughs> no worries. I uh, know what I'm talking about. But um, uh, I do you think we should caution listeners who are white that sharing that video on social media is not necessarily the best form of activism and awareness? Um, because I think we can, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think that there, we need to all remember as white people that we're sharing it to quote unquote, raise awareness. And we have friends who are black, like that's, you are potentially traumatizing your friends who are just seeing that out of the blue all the time on their social media. Like it's, it's not necessarily the best way to quote unquote, raise awareness to be exposing people you know to something that's traumatizing to them. I, I there are other avenues. Agree. Like we can we can say the video exists, and we can you know point out that a horrible crime was committed and a murder was committed. But I, blanket just sort of sharing it so people get blindsided by it. I don't necessarily think is um, wisest course of action. All the time. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's I think it's tough too because uh, last night I, you know I'm in a couple of group chats and and friend of the show and frequent frequent contributor Carl Pinnell. Uh, we're in a I'm in a group chat with him and 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 his fiance Kat and and Courtney, uh, my wife. And I sent the video of Dave Batista uh, to that group chat, and the icon or the thumbnail that comes up is the photograph of. Uh, you, you know, uh, Mr. Floyd being choked to death. And I didn't realize that until I shared it. And I, it didn't load until after I had sent the link. And I was like, oh, shit. It's, it's one thing for us as, as white people to feel anxiety about that or, or feel a certain, you know, anger or, a, or a frustration by that. It's a whole nother set of worms to share something like that. And, and I, I, I can't ever imagine being a person of color and seeing just the image alone and then having to watch the video sort of unprompted. Uh, yeah, consistently. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, that's, I'm glad yeah. that you said the topic for today was privilege because I think that that's really the only thing any of us are qualified to talk about. Agreed. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also <laughs> because there's a, we're not there's experiencing a, it on the same level. Right. And there's also another, there's another kind of topic that ties into the privilege story. It's about a, a, a YouTuber, some co- sort of influencer who uh, rehomed her autistic child, which I'll get into later because uh, I'm talk really. I want to talk about the Central Park woman too. Really? Oh, absolutely. We're yeah, definitely talking about Central Park. Want to do for Central Park, and then because the, I have some opinions on the the quote unquote rehoming thing too. I'm sure Adam, you want to go off. Oh, I'm gonna fucking lose my shit. Yeah. So I guess I guess the the what we could talk about first, and like I said, I guess to sort of tie it back to what Dr. Ruth was saying about, uh, you know, we are the three of us that are that are you know presenting the show to you today. We are white, and we are not making any pretenses of of knowing what it's like to be in a position uh, to have something like that happen, you know, almost, I mean, a daily basis. I mean, when you think about it, how many of these types of crimes have been committed, not just this year, but I'm talking about maybe even in the past two, three, four years that I haven't know, been many. videotaped, you know, and it's like, it's, it seems to be, go ahead. Uh, we were all at college around the same time at Westchester, right? We didn't know each other yeah. then necessarily, but. Right. Yeah. We were all around the same time. Yeah. I graduated graduate? two I graduated 2012. Oh, I did too. Okay. Um, so 
but I remember um, doing a protest about the Trayvon Martin. Right. Right. Yeah. And that was that was eight years ago. Like nothing has changed. And it seems to me, it seems to be the same sort of prevailing theme over and over again, right? It seems to be the fact, like, it seems to be an unarmed black man being murdered, uh, sum- summarily, I mean, it's not even really murdered, it's it's summarily executed in the street uh, for a really kind of very, like, paper tiger arguments uh, reason, you know? I mean, it's Trayvon Martin, like, you just use Trayvon Martin for an example. Now, that piece of shit, George Zimmerman shot him in the street because he was wearing a hoodie. Uh, but again, he says he's afraid for his life and he was beating him up. And it's like, like, it doesn't like the story just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then they let him go. They found him not guilty based on a super and profoundly flawed uh, stand your ground law in the state of Florida. And it just seems to be the prevailing narrative almost every single time something awful happens to a person of color, whether it be a male or a female or, or, you know, transgender, or, you know, whatever the situation, but typically oh, Todd, a, a whole other conversation about the death rate for trans women of color. Like, oh, absolutely. That's a, that could be, an, that could be an entirely separate conversation and show almost, but you know, even something, and you hear these things and you hear about Trayvon Martin, you hear about Michael Brown, you hear about Alton Sterling and there's always, it's almost an initially the smear campaign, which I'm waiting for, George, George Floyd to, to for that to happen, but um, it, it's going to be any day now, I'm sure, because of course, you know, uh, according to uh, those folks who continue to push that narrative, um, you know, he he jaywalked, so of course he deserves to be choked to death in the street or whatever obnoxious fucking reason they're going to come up with this time. But well, the next one that they're doing right now with uh, I forget the name of the gentleman, but the 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 African American guy who was shot by those two white guys in Georgia. And there was a gi- there was a giant smear campaign from like the Fox News media and the right wing media to make him depicted as a you know the the thug stereotype. Right, of, exactly. It's it's awful, and they did right. they did this with, they did it with Freddie Gray's. They've done yep. it with so many individuals because they need to control that narrative, and it's disgusting. I don't know if you guys have, I don't know if this is getting much play outside of um, Midwest or the sort of Northern Kentucky, Southern Indiana area with where I used to live. So I have some networks there, but um, I don't know if you heard about Breonna. I hope I'm saying her name right. Breonna Taylor, uh, who was murdered I'm familiar. Yes. Uh, in Louisville. Oh, yes. Yes. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. Please burst into her home in plain clothes. Her boyfriend thought there were intruders because of course he did. Right. Um, they had the wrong house, the police. police shot through the door, you know, a, a bunch of times. Her boyfriend fired back because of course he did. This was a home right. invasion. Mm-hmm. And she was murdered and he was initially arrested on assault charges. I, th- I think it's, it's, it's absolutely in- absurd. I remember reading this story. I remember saying it to Courtney. I forget. I think we're 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 very much sucked into New Girl inside of quarantine. We're getting into our new shows. We went back and watched Community. And as a cheap plug here too, is a little bit of levity in the situation. If you've never watched New Girl before, it's so good. You're really doing yourself a disservice. You need to stop what you're doing after you, after you listen to this podcast. Go back and watch that show. I think it's important to note when it comes to situations like police brutality, because I get this a lot, and I think one of the other reasons that I'm really pushing hard to use foundation radio for this platform right now is because I'm constantly being told by people in my network that I shouldn't use my social media platforms to promote this stuff. And I shouldn't use things to uh, like, like Facebook or Instagram uh, to, to spread messages about equality and, 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 you know, uh, justice for, you know, fill in the name here for whichever poor unfortunate soul has to interact with the police department. Um, you know, you should, you should be writing, you should be using, uh, your podcast, you should be doing something, you should be using your vast network of media resources to use that. Well, now you've opened Pandora's box because now this is just never going to stop for me. And I'm yeah, just going to continue to do that. It's your social media account. You can use it however you want. That's a personal choice. <laughs> At the same time, like th- this is also the same group of people that I encounter, not the exact same group of people, but a very similar group of people. It's like, oh, don't use your social media to push this agenda. You know, it's not right. supposed to be that. But at the same time, it's like Trump 2020 and like, yeah, it's just uh, first off, go fuck yourself. Like, don't tell yep. me to, what to do with my own social media. And second, like, it's it's difficult with social media because 
it's just, it's not even that it's the wild west. It's just, everybody feels so on edge and entitled and they're disgusting about it. And the worst is like the fucking, well, you wouldn't know because I'm a cop or, or, you know, you wouldn't know because I'm, you know, I'm a military member about like anything. Like I'm not allowed to have a fucking opinion. Like, like it's just, that's the thing that bothers me the most about it. And and, and maybe it is just this, this police mentality, this, this fraternity of like, if you're not going to call out shitty people that are representing you and you're just going to completely blindly back them up, like, you know, there's that, that, that old saying of like, Oh, well, you know what, a, you know, a bad apple, you know, it's just a couple of bad apples, but you're not finishing the whole phrase. Like it fucks up everything. A bad apple spoils the bunch. So now you're going to get an entire group of people that are going to become even more disenfranchised and completely separate from the police force because you won't stand up and say anything about the shitty people that right, right. are are representing you. You could be and- the best cop in the goddamn world, but if we consistently see cops that are are acting like this and that are disenfranchising and putting the lives of of scared people on a daily basis like at jeopardy like th- you need to speak out why do you think call 911 has dropped so far in my list of like things to do in an emergency yep absolutely you know you're growing up as a white kid in america they're always like oh you know if you have a problem call the police because it is safe for you as a white exactly. kid exactly exactly that's what you learn and i have unlearned that impulse as an adult hard is no longer my go-to in most situations, particularly because of where I live in the population of my building. Like, you know, just a few other white people in there, but we're sort of 50-50. And like, I would never call the cops on my building. Someone might die. And I think also to go back to, to Jeff's point too, and, and to tie in, you know, what you were saying, Dr. Ruth, like, I think it's really, I don't know if disingenuous is the right word, but I think it's almost like it's the lowest common denominator type of argument to say, well, you don't know what it's like because you're not a cop. And how dare you say this because X, Y, and Z, and you're not this person or whatever, whatever the context or, 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 you know, tone or tenor they want to take in the, in the specific situation. But like one of the things that I run into when I have these conversations and I start saying these things with people or I start having these conversations with people is that, you know, uh, you can't, uh, you know, you wouldn't know what it's like to be in that situation. And how dare you, uh, criticize a police officer who's out there putting his life on his or her life on the line every single day and blah, 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 blah. And the other one, this is my favorite. This is the capstone to it is, you must hate the police department. First so of all, what if I do? <laughs> first of all, right. So what if I do? First and foremost, so what if I do? What? So what if I hate the system that created the corrupt justice system that we have in this country? But additionally, why do I need to preface and pretext every conversation that I have about police brutality in this country and accountability for shitty police officers with saying, I don't hate cops? Why is it okay for you to be so fucking outraged about people who are looting in Minneapolis right now or the people that were looting in Baltimore or the people that were looting in Ferguson and acting as if that's a bigger fucking crime than this man getting choked to death on the side of the street for counterfeit money? Why is that? Where the fuck are your priorities? Where are your priorities lying? Also, on top of all that, like if. First off, any single cop that is going to say, and it does, it comes from a cop community, primarily that this sort of language, like, okay, I'm a Holocaust educator. And if I found out there was a a group or a couple of Holocaust educators that are actually like spreading Holocaust denial, I would be fucking outraged. Absolutely. How are you, As you should be in your, in your position, in your profession, that this is happening. This is representative of you. Like this is your profession. Yes. Like I am not saying that it is an easy job. What police officers have to do. It's not. But that doesn't excuse them from shitty behavior, right? That doesn't doesn't. excuse them from putting a guy in a fucking chokehold for selling a loose cigarette. Why shouldn't we be holding police officers to a higher fucking standard and firing people who can't do the job? Doing the job should involve not summarily executing citizens for minor offenses. 
And that's where it comes back to privilege, right? That's where it comes back to this idea that we live in some kind of bubble, some kind of privileged society in our gilded cages, looking down and saying, well, that doesn't happen to me. So I don't give a fuck. You have somebody like Central Park Karen in the park, taking her dog off the leash. A man of color, a black man walks up to her and tells her calmly, can you please put your dog back on your leash? Not only does she call 911 because she knows that 911 can be weaponized for her and the and the indication you can hear it in the tone and tenor of her voice that changes at the time she makes that phone call that she's and being she attacked says, by a, I'm being attacked my dog. by an African American man what the fuck did you think was going to happen when you did something like that lady no, she she knew she knew she could get that she guy killed exactly she knew what exactly she what she was doing um, and on, on that point, and speaking as a white woman, um, I think that sometimes in the United States, there is from white women who have an awareness of sexism, also this sort of well-meaning idea that like, they therefore are not complicit in racism. And I would just like to say, yes, you are. And I am too. This is like what being white in America is. And um, white women's ra- racism gets weaponized in really different ways. And um, part of Understanding that is looking at the history of lynching in uh, America, yeah. mm-hmm. as well as um, I have a book recommendation, actually, if any of our listeners, I have a couple for, on this topic. If anyone's looking to sort of read more about this kind of stuff and, and just are, are interested in exploring these ideas more, um, there's a really fantastic book that came out, I think just this year, actually, by a historian named uh, Stephanie Jones Rogers. She uh, has won a bunch of different uh, scholarships and awards. I think she really pretty recently got her PhD and is an incredibly prolific already writer. She put out a book with Yale University Press called They Were Her Property, White Women as Slave Owners in the American South. And it's a bit of a revolutionary historical study in that it focuses on um, white women slave owners, not just as sort of the hangers-on of the male slave owners, but white women who were, you know, committing those awful atrocities themselves. Um, so it's it's the narrative of um, slavery in America has often sort of privileged uh, white men as the perpetrators. And um, what Stephanie Jones Rogers does uh, in this study and, and very well documented and shows you know, white women were really horrible about this too. They were also committing these crimes, these horrible crimes against humanity. Mm-hmm. It's important to look at that and look at American history and sort of stare it in the face. And the right. other book recommendation I have, uh, if anyone sort of wants to look at how um, uh, racial um, hierarchies and um, segregation and prejudice have been maintained even post the civil rights movement, is the book The New Jim Crow. Yes, oh, um, Michelle book. Alexander. Great book. Great book. You guys have both read that. Yeah. Yes. Great book. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's. I mean, I could get into a separate argument and outrage about just the whole animal treatment aspect of it because that bothered me. But more importantly, this woman, Central Park Karen, weaponized. Yes. This against an innocent person. For sure. And it was just because he was like bothering her in her day. Right. He, she had the, he had the audacity to say to her, you know, I, you can't do what you want to do because there's, of course there's fucking signs everywhere. Right. I think that's what bothers me the most. It's it's the, it's the unbashed, like it's just the unvarnished audacity of people that just decide. I mean, that's where the Karen stereotype came from. Right. And I, it's like, it's, it's, it's the idea that like, and no one else can can just live, but if I'm minorly inconvenienced and I want to speak to the manager, or I'm going to weaponize the police department to come out and shoot this guy because he told me to put my dog on a leash. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, if there is a better definition, if there is a better definition of privilege anywhere out there, please share it with me, tweet it at me, or do something because I can't think of one in the past ten or fifteen years that's a better definition than privilege than Central Park fucking Karen. And, you know, the other thing with that is, like, of course he wanted to say something because he's a, um, uh, the guy who was almost, you know, targeted by this woman. And thank goodness he's still with us. Uh, you know, he's a prolific bird watcher and he was worried about the birds because right. of course, he's a prolific um, bird. Wa- he's a prolific bird watcher and a former writer for Marvel Comics. Yep. All, all the Marvel Comics people were like, oh, yeah, that guy was my editor. He's the best. And it's like, yep. That's, yeah. it's really yeah. it, you need to, people i think people need to realize like this could be someone you know it really right. easily could be someone you know and the other thing is like i i was looking also online at some conversations and people were like you know 
I'm not convinced people would have come down this hard on her if she hadn't also been cruel to the dog. That's so oh, no, sad. They, I don't think they would at all. Because it's like, yeah. there definitely it depends, people out yeah. there who care more about what she did to the dog than they I care that she tried to get that guy killed. I agree. I, I, think, I absolutely I, yeah. agree with that because I think that we would see more because you're not hearing any sort of anything about this from the right wing media to try to vilify um, that the, man, that man, like or his sister. Right. You're, you're not seeing that because there is the animal abuse aspect. But if it was not there, they would be doing the same exact thing that they consistently do, which is to put it in a light where of course she would have called because this, you know, look at all this other behavior. Not only are they not going to fucking find it. I mean, he, he's a bird watcher and a, a former editor and writer for Marvel comics. Like, come on. Like, it's just, uh, it, and it's, that, that gets again, into the it's, problem it's, of like the perfect victim narrative, like the right. idea that oh well, this shouldn't have happened to him specifically because look at how you know, I was just, I was just exactly, going to say yeah. that right. It shouldn't have regardless of the situation. Right. Didn't need to be a, a very kind bird watcher who used to write for Marvel Comics for people to think he shouldn't have been killed. <laughs> That's right. You no, know. and and I think I think too it's it's amazing, and I think a lot of these stories. You know, now that I think in the in the digital age, I don't know how much of this is new. I mean, you could talk to anybody in the in the in the community and 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 whether it be people of color or the LGBT community or or any of the oppressed groups in this country and hear stories about this that go on for it's generations. Not, it's, it's nothing not new. new. It's, it's just only we new. have the ability to right. see it more more widely. People and I want phones with cameras. Right. People are using their social media to bring light to the fact that these things are happening. That's the whole purpose of living in the technological age, in this global age of being able to communicate with somebody at the press of a button. We're all in different rooms and different places. And we're recording and we're right recording now. Recording right now because of the digital age. It is a fantastic thing that this is coming about, in my opinion. That it is finally being more widely discussed. Unfortunately, everybody is just. And I, 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 yeah. I, 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 I am at this point where I'm just I'm I'm fed up with everything because I'm I'm fed up of this continual way that people are either silent about it, they are right. not listening to the actual communities that it affects. They're not exactly like they 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 are they are victim blaming. Yep. Yep. It's just it is absolutely it, it's mind-boggling. Do you guys and see then, the thousands of people showing their ass when John Boyega tweeted I fucking hate <laughs> racists and there were people trying to argue with him about that in their right. his mentions? Like Dr. Ruth, I love that you just used the phrase showing their asses. Like that's I'm sorry, that just cracked me up. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but that's what they were doing. It's like, the, the statement I fucking hate racists is not something you should be like, well, isn't that a little harsh to someone about? Like, come on, you just look stupid. <laughs> I I just I I thought it was fantastic. I mean, there's so many people that I that I expected to say something about this you know like i'm always looking for the kevin nashes and the the sean kings and the dave batistas to to tweet something but there's been a lot of surprising people that i saw that have been tweeting things people that typically don't say anything like john boyega and 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 other celebrities and and notable folks that are out there that are saying things uh regarding you know this, this the george floyd case but uh you know one thing i wanted to kind of tie back to with the the digital age and the idea of oppressed groups and i'm gonna i'm gonna crack my second hams here because i'm not i think the story this will be a first for both of you because i'm not sure if i've ever shared this with you so uh here we go um i, I i'm sure you both, to you by hams the, the story is brought, from sky blue waters brought hams. to you by hams beer. <laughs> grab one hams beer better than high life uh so I, I know you both know that I come from a, a, a sort of, I was raised with two moms and a dad. Mm -hmm. um, I come from an LGBT household and uh, I think it was 1994 or 1995. We lived in Bucks County. For the purposes of this story, I'm not going to say where I grew up because the person that is involved in this story still works in that area. And surprisingly enough, even. 25 years later, I'm still getting heat for this story. 
1995, I was probably 10 years old. Uh, my mom and her partner and my dad were in the car and it was me and my brothers. We were in this, uh, it was a LeBaron, I think Chrysler LeBaron with the convertible. And it had this really cool maroon that drop top, car, right? It was <laughs> fucking dope, right? Uh, license plates at top down day. Super cool. We thought we were the coolest fucking kids in the neighborhood, right? And we're driving on the main road, which is like one main road that goes through my hometown. And on the back of my mom's car and her partner's car, they used to always have, you know, bumper stickers. And one said, celebrate diversity with the rainbow flag. And there was another one that wasn't really well known at the time or maybe outside of the community, but it's a, it's a, it's an upside down triangle that's purple. And she had it on the back. I think it was the driver's side on the back window by the, you know, like in the backseat area. So anyway, we're driving up the road and all of a sudden the cop flips his lights on and pulls us over. And he says, you know, license and registration. And he's looking at in the car and my mom's asking him questions. And he's, he's like acting kind of all hinky and he's acting weird. And, uh, he's like, oh, well, your, your brake lights out. My dad says, oh, you know, can I come out and take a look? And he starts getting real defensive. And he's like, you stay in the car, you stay in the car. And my dad, you know, if you've ever met my dad before, he's like the most non-aggressive individual in the entire world. So this cop is just really amplifying the situation. And he goes and looks at the back of the car. He looks at the Celebrate Diversity sticker. He looks at the other sticker. He's looking at the license and he's looking at everybody in the car. And he goes, so what, do all you guys live together or something? You clearly can see all the LGBT stickers on the car. Like, what the fuck does that mean? And uh, it, basically, we were, we were profiled. I mean, she, my mom was profiled. Her partner was profiled because of the, the stickers on her car. And... um. It was one of those moments, like when you, when you realize what's happening, but you don't know what to do because you're, you're so young and you're not really sure. I'm, bo- I'm sure both of you can attest it to, to more severe degrees. I know Jeff, we've talked about some of yours before on the show and, and mm-hmm. Dr. Ruth, you haven't shared too many of yours, but um, it was something that could have been a lot worse. You know, I'm used to being called the F word. I'm used to hearing all the things about, you know, gay people and, and, and you know, lesbians and things hurled at me in school. Um, but it was one of those times where it was like reflecting on it. Even now I'm still shook by that moment. And I think that moment, because it wasn't what he said per se, it wasn't like he just came out and called her a, you know, a a D word or an F word or whatever. It was his, the tone and tenor of what he said, which I think makes it more vicious. It makes it, like more fundamentally evil in some respects. And it reminds me a lot of, it reminds me a lot of central park Karen because it's the viciousness and the abject, um, nasty and hate behind something like that. People don't need to use slurs to let you know that you are violating their sense of how the world should be. Right. Yeah. And that they are angry about that. And, and fast forward many years later in the same hometown, I'm in the fire department in this hometown, which, it, you know, knowing me, it's it, the, 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 the politics of that world do not jive and mesh well with my politics, which ended up becoming a problem. But anyway, I digress. Um, I ended up telling this story to some friends of mine inside of the, the firehouse who then uh, told me that I was lying about this and that I had made this story up because that person was a good cop and wouldn't say things like that. Like, is it sad that I am not surprised at all that and it, like that this is happening? Yeah. It's, I'm just, it, oh. it's again, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's, you know, I, and I, and I really do. I think that that experience and the experience of the things that we heard growing up, you know, my mother and her partner marched on Washington after Matthew Shepard was killed. Like I, I have vivid memories of that happening. And I remember the stories that they told us and the, and the, the marches and the, and the, the different events that they would go to and, and all of those things. And I think that shaped my worldview and it helped shaped the way I approach things and the way I view things, because I, I, I don't think you can understand oppression or abject hate because like, I, I don't know what it's like to be in the LGBT community. And I don't know what it's like to be a, you know, a person of color or even Jewish in this country and, and, and know what that kind of hate is directed at me personally. But I know that hate was directed at me personally for something that I 
that it was it was it was hate it was hate towards your family which affects you right like the the judgment judgment wasn't just on your mom and partner it was also on the entirety of your family unit and the arrangement your mother and father had come to and all of that and it's it's one of those things where i can hear it when it happens and i can hear the subtext in people's words and the way that they say things and I think there is, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's almost like I'm tuned into the viciousness of people when they say these things. And I think that's why something like Central Park Karen struck me in a way that it did is because I immediately thought about that cop and the way that he spoke to my mother. And it was, it made me scared. It made me scared because I did not know what was going to happen. And I did not know what that man's intention was at that particular time. I just knew that something was wrong and he was being a dick. Right, like, and, and not to. It's, not, it's a similar situation too of a power imbalance, right? Because right. like the cop in that scenario held a shit ton of power, and it's like, fortunately, because of the country and the society we live in, woman in Central Park held a ton of power in that situation, and it is frankly lucky that nothing tragic happened. Yeah, and I feel like again, if I feel like it, you know, being told that I'm making the story up or I'm I'm exaggerating parts of the story, when you think about it. Imagine if I would have had my iPhone there because I was always filming as a kid, right? Like I've always been like a really photo photographic, like videographer. I always had a video camera on me. I always had a, some kind of like uh, a camera on me of some kind. I would have been fucking filming everything and I would have been stealthy as fuck filming that too. And so I to, know, to, bring, to bring it for the time period, um, if you were filming that, it could have been escalated a lot worse because we're talking it, about the 90s. Right, right. I mean, imagine now in 2020, something like that happening, which still happens. I mean, it's still, you know, the the, the hatred and the vile uh, evil towards the LGBT community didn't go away. It hasn't stopped because Ellen went on TV and came out, right? It's the same, like racism hasn't stopped because Obama was elected president. It's it's worse than ever. It's Frankly, worse than a ever bunch right of now. A bunch of a lot of white America has been trying to convince themselves that racism was over the minute the Civil Rights Act was passed. And it's like that's mm-hmm. laughable. That is not like oh, no. <laughs> worse. It got way worse. And I think again, like to tie it back to to George Floyd, it's like if you are sitting there watching that video and saying that this is not racially motivated, you are being willfully ignorant about the situation and the. Uh, historical context of why this is happening and the systematic equality, inequality that created a situation like this. Michael Rappaport said it best. You don't see any cops in New York City holding a 45-year-old Jewish man's neck down to the ground and choking him to death. You don't see that. You don't see them doing that to, to someone other, another minority except for someone who's a person of color. You don't see it. It's black people specifically a lot, right. you know, a lot of the times like it's, it's, and then that's all down to the, let's be honest here in terms of deep history and like how long ago something was slavery in the United States was not that long ago. No, it Continuing wasn't. Continuing to pretend like we've somehow moved past it is not helping anybody. Jim Crow is a generation away. That's all it is. It is a generation of people. It is our grandparents, and to some of us, even our parents. And that, like all, 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 it is not a distant memory. None of it is. It is consistently happening. I mean, even slavery itself, like Ruth was saying, it's not that long ago. It's not. But, but more importantly, in, in the same way that I'm talking, when I'm talking about issues that are related to work. Like this is within a generation or two at most at the most that these things happened and they are continuing to happen. And now that we have the, now that we have the technological advancements to, and that was one of the reasons when we, our second episode of this podcast, our second official episode of this podcast was the interview we did with David Tuck, who's a Holocaust survivor. I, that's important to me to document that because if we don't do that kind of thing, you know, I mean, there's there's probably hundreds of videos of David telling his story, which is amazing. But if we don't document these things and we don't have these things in front of us, how would you know that something like that happened? Imagine the spin doctoring that would happen for a situation like Philando Castile if that video didn't exist. 
imagine the spin, the spin I mean, doctoring I, was already really bad and there was a video they were trying to convince people that they weren't seeing what was in front of their own eyes and some mm -hmm. people bought it you know people buy it because they it's more comfortable to not believe what they're seeing and I think too, as far as like the privilege aspect to it too, I mean, it's like, you know, there's so many things that, that have been running through my head all day that have just made me progressively more and more closer to my, my red Fox fatal heart attack. I, I read a story today about a woman who is a YouTube influencer, whatever the fuck that means, who mm -hmm. adopted a child who crowdsourced an adoption of a child from China who ended up being autistic and that woman and her husband today came out or yesterday or however long ago it was and said that they quote rehomed this child to his quote forever family. Like he's some kind of puppy that outgrew his family after Christmas. It's not a pet. It's a person. And so even like, still, like, I don't like the idea of rehoming pets. Like he's a fucking animal, this kid, right? And then they have the audacity to go, well, we weren't told that this child would have so many medical issues. And his new mommy has medical professional training. Wait a minute. Uh, uh, hold on. No, hold on. No, no one who has an autistic kid is told they're going to have about this. You, if, if you have a biological child, there's no fucking guarantee that everything is going to be okay. Like you're supposed, like you can't fucking guarantee that the child that comes out of your, uh, of your spouse or yourself, like is going to be a hundred percent, like nine, uh, 10 fingers, 10 toes, two eyes, whatever it is. This story, when I read this story, like it hit me in a level that I wasn't really sure I was prepared for. Right. Like, and, and I don't want to say at any time that I would ever understand anybody else's headspace, right? Like, but I don't ever want to say that I understand where, where someone else is mentally, right? Because I struggle with my own, you know, depression and anxiety and other mental issues that I have that, that come along with that. But this to me just is the epitome of, of privilege and selfishness, right? I, and, and the rumor and innuendo, I, I don't know, I haven't been able to research this because I, I just don't, I, I frankly don't want to look up anything more about these people, is that they used to duct tape this little boy's thumbs to stop him from sucking his thumbs. So the oh. only bright spot in my mind about this is that the child has now been placed with a loving family uh, and has prevented someone inside of his original home from hurting him more. Uh, as what most, I, What I want to know is how this family even past all of the because th i don't know anything about uh adoption but i know enough that there are background checks there it, it's not like you walk into a, a freaking kid store go i want yeah. that one and they send it home with you yeah you don't like, go in and pick it out like a dog yeah you don't go in and, actually i want that one with the brown hair and the blue eyes that's the one i want right there it's that that's not how it works Hell, I mean, you have a rescue dog, and it was still a process. We had a whole, we had to go through a whole background check. We had to call people about the about Minnie when when they brought her to the house. Courtney and I, before Sophie, before uh, before we were, you know, she was pregnant with Sophie. We actually went through the process to do a foster to adopt. Now, adoption is extremely expensive. Foster to adopt is a is a is a more cost effective and a better way to adopt a child permanently to place them in her home. One of Courtney's uncles is adopted. Um, and her mom's family, uh, her mom's, her mom's mom specifically, they fostered probably I, 20 to 25 kids throughout a period of time in their home. So it's something that's very close to her and something that, that it means something to me as well, because I, I would love to do that. Uh, we put that process on hold when Sophie was born, but eventually we are going to revisit that at some point, but there is, I mean, you have to go through all kinds of background checks and uh, you have to, it's almost like being interviewed for the secret service in a lot of ways. Like you have to go through all of these different steps to do these things. But the one thing that makes me so angry about this, about this specific situation is, is because of Danny, right? As all of you listening to the show probably know now, Danny is on the spectrum. Uh, we've known Danny has been on the spectrum since he was 18 months old. We always kind of knew something was quote unquote different about Danny. And I don't mean that in the context of like, oh my God, he's different. It's just there was something that was different about him from James. And we were lucky enough to have uh, early intervention and find the things that needed to be, that needed to help him uh, meet the goals and benchmarks that he needed to meet. But the one thing 
that kicked into my mind right away when that diagnosis came in, when my brain first inputted in and mapped into my brain that my son was on the autism spectrum. What do we need to do to help him? What resources can we put to help him? What things can we do long-term, short-term right now in order to help him meet the goals and benchmarks that he needs to meet in order to have a successful life at no time, no matter what happens, no matter the regressions, no matter the challenges, no matter how many times he, we get punched or kicked or spit at because he can't verbalize or tell us his frustrations or his needs, which happened tonight at dinner. There has never been a time where I thought, well, fuck it. I give up. That doesn't happen. You can't plan for something like autism, right? You can't plan for something like becoming a, and I don't like to use this term, but anymore, but it's, I, you don't become, you don't plan to become a special needs parent. There's no playbook for this shit, right? You just do. Danny is no different than James and he's no different than Sophie. He just has a different set of learning abilities and a different way that he inputs and maps information in his brain. And he draws sweet beards on himself. Oh my God. The green beards are amazing. (laughs) Today he runs around. He grabbed a marker upstairs. The next time y'all are here, I'll have to show you. He does this thing where he draws on his face and he turns into like this, what he calls angry man. And he starts going, what? Get the bus on! He does this whole thing. (laughs) It's the fucking greatest shit ever, right? I'm I'm an adult who has friends who are autistic, who are autistic, autistic adults. And, you know, yeah, you just have to, there's a different way of relating to people and it's fine. But, you know, like that's, the same thing with making friends with anybody you figure out like what's the best way to communicate with that person and how do we have interactions and and you know the other thing is like thinking of like stories like this i've been so i'm so sad every time i see one of my uh, you know friends who is uh, autistic see a story like this because it's it's immensely upsetting to a lot of them either because they had a similar childhood where they were Constantly, sort of berated by parents rather than being supported, then also, or, or because they were supported and they feel really that this happened to other people. You know, like it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's just. I mean, I, I, I don't excuse the behavior of the the era of widely accessible knowledge about autism and the spectrum and how to you know how to as a parent how to there is no playbook but how to enrich your child's life and make sure that they are able to meet all those goals like you are as a parent adam uh you know and and the same goes for you know if you're not like parenting is hard you're not going to do everything right and you could have the quote normal child and still fuck it up I think what bothers me the most about this, this story is that it's an adoption. This is your right. child now. If, if like it, they clearly weren't thinking that way, which is the most fucked up part. And then I can't even imagine their uh, other kids. Imagine if you're a little kid and you find out your parents just gave one of your siblings away because right. they like, are right. too much of a problem. How much is that going to mess you up? Like, you don't, you don't get to choose as a parent who has uh, raised a biological or, 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 you know, not me personally, but, but my wife given birth to a, our, bio, our biological child. You don't get to just choose to walk away from something. You don't like as a dad and I, and I get emotional when I talk about my kids, but like there is nothing in my life that brings me more joy and more happiness and more excitement than the unconditional love of my children when I come home from work. There is there is <laughs> like, there is absolutely nothing that brings me more excitement and more joy than when I get to see their faces when I come in the door. But that does that's not to say that being a parent is easy. Being a parent to just non-spectrum kids is fucking difficult. Like there is no, anybody that tells you that there's a fucking playbook and any, any future parents out there that are listening to this, anybody that tells you there's a playbook for your kid is fucking lying to you and they're selling you snake oil. And if you believe any of those books, I got a bridge to sell you for a dollar. Okay. There is absolutely no playbook anywhere in the history of the world. that's going to prepare you for your kid because you've got beachfront property in Montana that I want to sell you. I'm going to sell you that too. But 
having a kid who's on the spectrum, having a child who's on the spectrum, you don't, you know, again, you don't plan for that. You don't, you, when you, when your kids are born, you have these ideas in your head and you have these fantasies about what their life is going to be like and what their track's going to be. And, you know, it, it, it's, it changes the direction and the scope of your thought process for them. And every milestone that we hit with Danny and every success that we have with Danny is the best day ever because we know that we've put our energy and our effort into helping him and giving him everything that he wants. That fucking kid is so smart. He tested out of his OT. He doesn't need OT anymore because he's testing at a first grade level. That kid's starting kindergarten in the fall. Danny is doing so well because we dump all of our resources into helping him and making sure that he has the services and the things that he needs. And God bless Courtney too. I'm not a, not a religious guy, but you know, God, Buddha, run the jewels, whoever's up there actually running the show, George Carlin, bless her because that woman is a warrior and a fighter for our son. And she does not quit when, when it gets hard because there are times where it is really difficult. I don't want to lie to you. There are times where being a special needs parent and, and, trying to find ways to calm him down. For example, the last thing we went to, I took the boys to a WWE event in Allentown and Danny's right now. His favorite group is the new day. I've never seen Danny stim like this before, but when the new day music hit and Big E does a thing, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. He goes, Oh, Allentown. He does a huge like thing. Danny started to stim and he wasn't in pain. It was just like, I can't even replicate it. It was just something that he did. That was, uh, it just like was it was like him being so excited about seeing these men that he was so you know that they're just a part of something that makes him happy and that was a really hard moment because i didn't know what to do so i just took a deep breath and i and i rolled with it i just let it happen because it was making him happy to listen to the music and dance and to do the things that he was doing but there are other times when he spits on us tonight, like you spit at me at dinner and he tries to scratch my face and he hits us and calls me a fucking asshole and all the other things that he says because my, my children speak blue. But, <laughs> um, and that's my fault. That's not Courtney's fault. But um, it's really tough. There are days that are really difficult, but I wouldn't trade that for the world. And I think what fucks me up so much, again, to tie it back to the theme of this episode is privilege. They have a privileged spot. They are able to sit in their gilded cage and say, we don't want this. This is not what we signed up for when we adopted this child. We wanted a normal child. We I didn't mean, want an autistic kid. Tie it back to racism as well. They wanted the social media clout of having adopted a baby from China. You better fucking mm -hmm. believe they did. That they do that interracial adoption thing. And then um, uh, it didn't work out quite exactly how they wanted. And it didn't feel like their real kid because let's face it, they're probably racist. Yeah. Well, and I can imagine. Easier. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just, I guess the biggest issue that I have just to sort of tie everything back together is. I'm just so sick of the privileged fucking people of this country. The people who can't see past their noses to say that there's a problem with inequality in this country. There I'm, is a legitimate problem. I'm sick of the people who are using their privilege in ways that don't bring sight to it. And, and, and like, I, I acknowledge that I am privileged. As a white man, I acknowledge that there's that privilege. I'm pissed at the people who use it. Like, I'm not going to lie and say I don't use my privilege to benefit myself, but I also try to do it to benefit others. You need, pe you, you need people to be allies. Right. And I'm sick of people just quietly sitting on the sidelines i'm sick and of that, people, i'm sick of people using their own privilege to shut up other people right and that was what was most important about doing this episode today and setting the new bar for things that we're going to do because this isn't going to be an all the time thing right like i'm not gonna I'm, we're not gonna sit here and talk politics all the time we have obviously the the election coming up and different things that are happening in the country and you know we're going to talk about them because they're topical and 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 timely things 
but it's important for me to document this. It's important for me to have the two of you and anyone else who wanted to participate in this episode to document these things. You know, people contain multitudes and we can talk about, you know, sci-fi fantasy conventions we wanted to go to and we can talk about this. Yeah. Dr. Ruth, one can chew gum and walk at the same time. Indeed, we can. But I also am so sick of people just turning, like what you said, Jeff, is just turning such a blind eye to this. And acting as if this isn't really happening and that, 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 that if this is something that is not a prevalent cancer in our society, what's wrong with saying that we want accountability? What's wrong with saying that we need a better system in this country to protect people of color? and the LGBT community and allow them to thrive and prosper without the fear of being choked to death in the fucking street over counterfeit money or just by living. What's wrong with saying something like that? And if you're going to sit there and you're going to argue with me about this and you're going to sit and say things like, well, you don't know what the job is and how dare you criticize and and say whatever you're going to say about it and that you hate police, then maybe you're part of the problem. Maybe you should reevaluate where your values and your morals are because it sure doesn't seem like you fucking have any. I'm incredibly attracted to you when you're that pissed. So anybody else that wants to get mad, jump in here. I'm more tired than anything. I'm, I'm trying to be righteously angry, and I'm just real tired. You know, I'll come out swinging tomorrow, probably. But no, I, I, I think that's telling of the fact that we are all so tired of this continually happening. But I'm tired of people not saying anything. I'm tired of people using their privilege to not only shut up people who are directly affected, but people who are trying to speak out against it, who aren't directly affected about it. Like you're saying, like, you know, you don't fucking know, so shut the fuck up. You know what? There's a bunch of things that I let fucking slide. Like, oh my God, like the biggest, like tokenism whenever it comes to anti-Semitism. Well, I have a Jewish friend or people who tell a minority, and I'm using Jews specifically, people who tell Jews what is and isn't anti-Semitism. And they do the same thing for African-Americans. They tell people uh, what is or isn't racist that I have to, you know what? I do not have to respect everyone's opinion. Yes, that's the other thing. That's the other thing to tie this up. Having a shitty opinion does not mean that you deserve a seat at my table. I'm sorry. I I am so tired of this idea that we need compromise, that we need common ground with people who promote that bullshit. That oh, 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 it's the New York Times always fucking does it. That like all sides bullshit. I actually, I'm getting righteously angry about something. Do it. The New York Times obituary for Larry Kramer. Gary Kramer was, uh, he passed away last week. It was 84 years old. Um, he was the founder of ACT UP, the group that um, first got very militant and um, called out the uh, U.S. government for ignoring the HIV AIDS crisis in the 1980s. Wow. And the New York Times obituary for him, originally, they went through like five different rounds of edits before they weren't being complete fuckheads about it. And because the his obituary line, I think, initially read, oh, you know, passing of Larry Kramer, famous playwright and activist. But his activism was sometimes overshadowed by his abusive tactics. And it's like, I'm sorry, I wasn't aware that staging die-ins on the Capitol steps and being impolite to senators and telling them they were murdering people is as abusive as laughing at the people who are dying, which is what happened in the 1980s. Yeah. Like, I, and, you know, you can people documented on Twitter the like five different rounds of edits that New York Times article went through before they landed on the sentence they have now, which is marginally better. But like they first they changed the word abusive to confrontational. And that's like that's not better because you're still saying his legacy was marred by it somehow as if it's not his legacy that right. he was angry and took no shit. And that wasn't the point of it. Like, just ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, the the, uh, the the biggest thing that bothers me, and I get really fucking angry about it, is that I need to respect other people's opinions. Yes, you can have an, you know what, you can have an opinion. You can absolutely have an opinion. I'm not the fucking government. If you say something that's fucking disgusting to me, or just generally disgusting, I'm going to call you out on it. 
Yeah. If you say something that's anti-Semitic, I'm going to call you out on it. If you say something that's racist, I'm going to call you out on it. And you know what? If you cannot handle the consequences, then shut your fucking mouth. My least favorite is when people are like, dumb opinion. And I'm like, well, I f- that's not factually true. And here's all this right. evidence. They're like, well, but that's my opinion. So I'm going to keep thinking it. It's like, that's not how that works. That's not <laughs> how I was just going to say that that is not an opinion. That's a viewpoint that you have based on faulty logic and bullshit reasoning. An opinion would be, an opinion would be, an opinion would be Dr. Ruth saying that I like chocolate ice cream. And in my opinion, I think vanilla ice cream is better. There's a good fucking argument between the two of us that we can have about the, the type of ice cream that's better. But saying that the Holocaust didn't happen is not a fucking valid opinion. opinion. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's wrong. It's wrong. It's patently and, and provably wrong. That's not an opinion. That's just some shitty viewpoint that you have because you can't see – because you are one of the, the lowest common denominator types that thinks YouTube is a scholarly study source, you fucking idiot. Well, here, here's, here's the thing. If an individual wants to have an opinion like that, that is their right. But I have no – they have no right to an expectation of being treated kindly about it. Exactly. I'm, like, I'm sorry. That's just, that bothers me more than, more than anything. Telling me that I have to respect another nope. person's opinion nope. like that is basically telling me that a fu- like I have to have fucking Adolf Hitler in my kitchen and serve him fucking dinner. That's telling an African-American person that they have to serve the KKK if they decide to come over. It's fucking disgusting to me. It pisses me off. If you want to have a shitty opinion like that, and you know what? I'm sure I have shitty opinions, and I hope somebody fucking calls me out on them like I would to other people who have shitty opinions never gonna learn that your opinions are shitty if people don't say something i'm very grateful over the many right. years i've been you know educated by friends teachers family other people about my shitty opinions i was a total shithead when i was 16 17 18 probably into my early 20s like i am well aware i have learned a lot i probably still need to learn a lot more be open to it it will make you a better person <laughs> I promise it will make you a better person. Everybody's growing, right? Like I can't sit here and say that I haven't had shitty opinions in my lifetime, right? You know what else will make you a better person? What's that? Nice cold hams. Enjoy hams on a hot (laughs) summer day during this quarantine. Hams, the beer that's so much better. And it's not just they're never going to sponsor us because they're never going to do our most political episode. (laughs) This is the most charged episode sponsored by hams. Yeah. And look, look, we're not going to be I mean, it's not going to be this tone and tenor for the show going forward. Right. Like we're still going to play Dungeons and Dragons. We're still going to do the dumb shit that we do. But this is just something that I felt really strongly about and something that I felt like was really important to talk about, because, again, I want to be proud of the things that I leave behind, right? Part of the reason that I want to do this show is something that I can leave behind for my kids to look at one time and say, wow, dad was kind of cool, right? But it's also like being on the right side of history and being on the right side of history. I'm so glad Jad talked about this. But also too, it's just like, it's, it's something that, that means something to me. And it's something that I feel like felt so strongly about that I needed to talk about and something that I needed to get off my chest because quite frankly, I don't know what to do with this anger. I don't know what to do with the rage that I feel inside of me right now, but I know that I have a resource and I know that I have a place to put this and a place to go to and a place to record and just get this off of my chest. So maybe I can sleep a little bit better tonight, but there's some, this is happening because you, you are in a position to be able to talk about this. Think of all the people that this directly right. affects that are just as angry or even angrier that they cannot express it. That because if they express it, they will they will face possible physical harm as a right. result of it. Exactly. Like, these types of conversations are important. If you don't want to listen, we're not fucking forcing you to. But and if and that's the thing is if you don't want to hear this kind of stuff, then you don't have to listen to our show or no one's forcing you to listen to this show. Yeah, we do fun stuff and we interview celebrities and we do musical guests. And yeah, we do a lot of fun things, but there's also, real, there's also real life shit that's going on out there. There's also real life things that we can't ignore as individuals. And so I'm this, not prepared to this, do that. This is a heavy week. You don't want to hear about this stuff because you've been inundated with it and you're at your breaking point. Don't listen to this episode. We'll totally have fine. We'll have a description of what we're talking about. You can give it a miss. Like that's totally and fair. Also, your own you know, advocate, right? You know, and you can uh, go back and listen. Your own, curate your own content. You can go back and listen to it when you're ready too. You don't, you know. And and quite frankly, maybe my opinion doesn't mean it doesn't mean a lick of shit, right? Like it doesn't matter. But I felt it. I like I said. I to 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 rehash again. 
I felt strongly enough to do this. And I felt like this was so important to me that I needed to do this. And I'm glad I did this. And I'm glad that the two of you joined me to do this because I'm, I'm not afraid of doing something like this. I'm not afraid of putting out my opinions and my viewpoints and, and the way that I want to see the world. I don't want my kids to grow up in a world like this. I tell the story a lot when, I'm, when Sophie was born. The first thing I said to her as I held her in my arms was, sweetie, I'm so sorry Donald Trump is president. And that's, that's how I feel because I, how am I supposed to explain to my kids someday that this is the kind of stuff that's happening? I sent a, a tweet in, group, in our group chat on Facebook earlier that said, boy, I feel bad for the kids that are going to study 2020 because this chapter is going to be fucking hefty. And they're not wrong. This entire experiment whatever it the doesn't fuck start with is. harambe as the as the precursor to all this harambe it right it is the it is the i believe it's the four-year anniversary of the loss of the blessed one as well um hashtag dis- dicks out forever but there are there are some resources and if you want to do something and you want to feel like you can make a change and you're not really sure what to do and you want to you want to feel like you you made a difference or you want to feel like you did something Put your money where your mouth is. Go out there right now and donate to the ACLU. Go out there and donate to the NAACP. Go out there and donate to the Trevor Project. Donate to somewhere that's going to take that money and put it towards good use to fight shit like this, to fight this oppression, to fight this inequality and the brutality that happens in the world, to fight the racism and the sexism and the homophobia and transphobia, transphobia and the Islamophobia that goes on on a day-to-day basis in this country, that fights policies that puts people in mindsets that puts people like Donald Trump in power. Go out there and do something like that. Volunteer at a local community. Be the change you want to see. On top of that, if you want to learn more about this, then get yourself out there and talk to the people that this directly affects. Talk to the ind- learn more from the people who have to face it on a daily basis. There's and a great to, and you know what? It will be just as cathartic for them probably as it will be for you because you at know, least they'll know that somebody wants to listen. You don't talk to a stranger necessarily because they may want to sure. talk about it. But I I I fully recommend following a few people from communities you maybe don't have any friends in on social media like on twitter don't interact you don't need to respond you probably won't say the right thing if you tried at this stage just listen to people listen to their experiences listen to how their lives function differently than yours and become aware of the fact that many people are living in a very different america than you are the only way to stop this is to promote real change and to use your position of privilege to amplify the voices that matter and to bring this kind of shit to light and to talk about it in an honest way and not sugarcoat it. There is a problem with racism in this country. There is a problem with police brutality towards men and women of color in this country, specifically the African-American community. There are these issues that exist. And just because you want to ignore it or you have experienced it doesn't make those experiences any less real. So it's important to talk about these things. And I just want to say thank you to you, Dr. Ruth and and Jeff, for joining me tonight. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this special episode of Foundation Radio. And we will see you again in a couple of weeks, maybe next week, two weeks. Take care, everyone. Foundation Radio is recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and Sam Kreps. Our intro and outro is produced by Dumb Ugly. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Foundation underscore radio. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Foundation Radio Pod. This has been a Foundation Radio production.